All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, a presentation today of the VGH Millionaire Lottery. You could be a multimillionaire. For just $100 with your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets, you get in to win one of 10 grand prize options, including home packages in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. And don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets where you can win half of BC's biggest jackpot. It can grow to 2.4 million folks, so don't miss out. Early buyers win more, including bonus draws and 51 early bird draws. We all need VGH, and VGH needs you. Every ticket purchase supports VGH and the UBC Hospital Foundation. With your Millionaire Lottery tickets, you are supporting more than just hospital care. You are supporting you and your loved ones who need it most. Order your tickets toll-free at one 445 5825 in person at London Drugs, or online at MillionaireLottery.com, 19-plus play, Know your limit, play within it. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I am joined by Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass. Uh, boys, the episode we did yesterday got a lot of interaction on Twitter, specifically the conversation about which defenseman we put in this lineup. I don't know. I think it was I think it was our uh, our pal Robert, who who we rarely talk about on the show, running the CA socials. He put Alex Edler as my pick. I didn't say I wanted Alex Edler in the lineup. I was just throwing out names. That wasn't my pick. Anyways, I just want to get that off my chest. That was on me. 
Oh, that's okay. I didn't want everyone. <laughs> I didn't want all of us to have the same guys. I well, it's good you. It it, it's bit. good you included Edler, but man, to frame it like I was calling for. Yeah, I need prime Alex Edler over everybody else. I don't know. I I, I took an it's, issue with it. It's not that bad of a pick. Prime Alex Edler was one heck of a player. He's big. He was physical. Could move the puck. Added offense. Okay, so a top pair caliber. Yeah, so so who is it? Prime Alex Edler replacing this lineup? Right. That, that's my yeah. point. Is if you can only pick one or two guys, I am taking two but right-handed. It's a reasonable defensemen. pick. It's reasonable, and it's a good name to bring up, which is why I brought it up because I only bring up the good names. But also, I, I saw a few people really liked the part where you said, "Oh, there's so many good options," and I was like, "Are you <laughs> sure about that? Are you sure about that, Harmon? How are you doing today?" I was up until five a.m. writing last night. So all things considered, I feel a lot better than I should be. Good, good the to young hear. blood. Good to hear. Uh, Frank Saravalli, Daddy Faceoff, as we like to call him on this show, is going to join us. Uh, I thought it was Daddy DFO. Oh, DFO I ca- Daddy. I called him DFO Daddy, and then people in the chat threw out Daddy DFO. They liked that more. I don't know which one Frank likes more. I'll ask him as soon as he joins. I'll ask him which one he prefers. I think I like Daddy DFO. Yeah, I like Daddy DFO too. I'll I'll, I'll ask him as soon as he joins up. I will uh, <clears throat> I will ask him which one he likes more. Um, so yeah, uh, Vancouver in Colorado tonight. What are you, what are you looking for in the game tonight? Because we put it, it's our title Canucks litmus test versus the abs in Colorado tonight. Well, I'm curious to see what version of the abs, the Canucks get right. It's not just what version the Canucks, like what version of their game, the Canucks bring to the table. It's Colorado has been a really hot and cold team this year. They've had, I believe eight victories or so where they've won by at least three goals. So they've had wins where they've been absolutely blowing teams out. You have all your top players absolutely rolling, absolutely feasting, but they've also had some absolute stinkers. They've had an eight, one loss. They had a pair of four, nothing losses to the Buffalo Sabres and Pittsburgh Penguins. They've had some stinkers in there as well. Uh, and I'm also curious what the goaltending looks like. I, I, I haven't seen whether it's Georgiev starting, but he has almost had a tale of two seasons where it was on fire out of the gate. But what's interesting is the Avs just play the wheels off of him. And I remember having a chat with Kevin Woodley. When I looked at the numbers sort of sort of before this week, he'd started in 13 of 15 games. He, he's looked fatigued, and his numbers over the last two, three weeks have slipped quite a bit. I haven't looked at his, you know, if Avs have played uh, within the last couple of games, how his performance has trended recently. But the, the bigger picture of the last few weeks isn't pretty for him. So both in net and on the ice, I'm curious to see what version of the Avs, the Avs actually show up. I would expect the Canucks get the better version of the Avs tonight, and I'm basing that off the fact that the Avs just blew a 3-2 lead in the third yeah. period in their last game against the Nashville Predators. Head into the third period with that 3-2 lead, two unanswered goals, they blow the lead. Uh, Georgiev had an 867 save percentage in that game, so you were asking about his recent performances. Not great, like not great. Um, and you're right, they do play the wheels off him. I'm curious what they get in goal. I would, if I were a betting man, I would put money on the abs bouncing back tonight. I, I, I would expect that's the version of the abs you're going to see. You just said a tale of two seasons. Would you classify the four three loss to Nashville as a stinker? Because I think when you you're the abs and you lose a lead heading into the third period, I think you can qualify that as a stinker. They've had worse games. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Two goals in the final minute. Yep. If your team then has championship 
aspirations, especially against a team like Nashville that doesn't have elite offensive weapons, that's that's unacceptable. Yep. You don't want that sort of trend to to continue. You have to be able to close out multi-goal leads in the third period. Two goals, 16 seconds apart so, in that game. So they're going to be fuming, and the Canucks know that. This is one thing that I've come to appreciate about how Rick Tockett prepares his team is Vancouver when they win a game, they're so quickly focused on what's coming next. And they're really well aware of the situation their opponent is in. So for example, when the Canucks blew Edmonton out in the season opener, the amount of guys in the locker room after the game that were, were sort of even keel saying, look, that was a good performance, but Oilers are going to be really desperate, really angry when we play them again during their home opener it's as if they were already sort of prepared for how challenging that Saturday game was. And then when Edmonton in that game did come out in the first period and they, they generated like five shots within the first 40 seconds of Andrew Kane rocked Phil Pronick with a massive hit. They immediately scored instead of being shocked. The Canucks were able to bounce back and of course, squeak out that victory in the second game of the season and so that's where yesterday at practice, Tockett was specifically citing that Nashville game and how they're expecting Colorado to be on their A game. Not giving the Oilers any bulletin board material was what I thought that that was from Vancouver. And they haven't given the Avs any bulletin board material too. Because Quinn Hughes has never said he's better than Kale McCarr, but some folks were saying it yesterday. I wanted to put this into perspective a little bit more because We'll talk about it with Frank when he joins here, but it was also the conversation we had yesterday, just to touch on it a little bit more. We threw out the scenario, and a shout out to Corey Anderson, who gave us an excellent anyone else, which we'll have we'll have anyone else later in the show, folks. So get your anyone else's in. You might just get your own shout out. Um, he had a great point about which player you would rather start a team with other than the Connors. And we kind of pivoted that into a conversation about okay, would you rather have McCarr or Hughes if you're starting a franchise from scratch? And I played devil's advocate a bit. I, I went, I, I said it's McCarr right now, but it's closer than people think. And I do believe that, but this is a conversation you and I were having in the office right before we went live is McCarr is in another stratosphere of player. And he just is right now. When you look at kill McCarr, I think a lot of people might say, okay, maybe he's underperforming what we expect from him. The guy's got 27 points in 17 games. Like, he, he's got a higher points per game than Quinn Hughes. Like, he is playing very well in his own right. And I feel like, kind of like us in Vancouver, when we talk about Elias Pettersson, how we say it feels like he's got more to give. I think that's what's coming out of Colorado right now, is a lot of people are saying, yeah, McCarr's not quite at his best right now. And he's still putting up the points. So, I, I, just, I don't know. I just want to add that context to the conversation that, while I do stand by what I said yesterday in the sense of, let me see Hughes in another playoff race and let's see how that goes. Then it might be a little bit closer. And I do still think it's closer right now than most people would, you know, give him credit for, give Hughes credit for. I still think it's McCarr and I don't think it's necessarily a hard decision to make. Yeah. I think the conversation around McCarr potentially having more to give has more to do with some of the mistakes he's made. It's not necessarily about he's got more offense to give because the point total speak for themselves. (laughs) It's more so his own game. There have been a couple of turnovers here and there. Uh, just the types of, types of things that we don't see as often from him. But look, at the end of the day, before this season, McCarr has been better than Hughes every year since they both entered the league as rookies. That's uh, plain and simple. That's 
undisputable. He's got a con Smythe on his resume. Colorado wins the cup. It's not Nathan McKinnon that was the best player in that playoff run. It was Kale McCarr, the way he was controlling games from the back end, not only offensively, but him and Taves as a shutdown pair, how yeah. solid they were defensively, the way they defended the rush. It was art to watch. So for me, if anything, the more interesting conversation is not about Hughes versus McCarr, but the idea of, okay, where does Hughes slot relative to Adam Fox? Because I think that's a much more interesting conversation because to me, there's an argument to be made that Fox is the type of defenseman that if you were to, let's say, swap Hughes and uh, Fox in terms of their team situation. So let's say Hughes played on the Rangers and um, Fox was on the Canucks, especially in previous years. Fox, he's not as dynamic his best asset is his hockey IQ, how poised he is, uh, the, the vision. Whereas I think Hughes has reached a level this year where he has some of those attributes, but offensively, he can also just drive offense all by himself. We see that with the shot, how dynamically he can dance off the blue line. I don't think Fox has quite that element. And the point I'm trying to make is Fox has a lot of talent around him. And he's had that for a long time when you look at the types of offensive weapons the forwards that they've that the Rangers have had. I I wonder if I, I wonder how things would have looked if in previous years they were in different situations. If if Fox's results would have been quite as elite if he had less if he had less help. I think there's more of a conversation to be had there with the Fox and Hughes because there wasn't as much of one with McCarr and Hughes, even though we did it yesterday. I think there's a little bit more more people would be in favor of Hughes uh, when it comes to Fox and Hughes. And let's see what Frank Saravalli thinks. Uh, Frank Saravalli brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool game. Wendy's is letting you win real food with Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor. For those of you who smoke the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. Download the Wendy's app and score yourself 150 bonus reward points on your first order and grab a sweet victory from the mouth-watering jaws of defeat, along with some fresh, never-frozen beef. Put your prediction skills to the test and score yourself 1,300 bonus points. If you win the week, then you go use your pro- your, use your points to grab your favorite menu items at Wendy's. Sign up to play Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Fantasy to win weekly prizes like the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Daily Face-Off Survivor uh, over at dailyfaceoff.com. And let's bring them in. Uh, Frank, this is a topic that I didn't want to have to bring up on top of the show no one likes talking about this but we have what how bad i am at the wendy's daily survivor game no i trust me we talked about- Pedersen killed me on monday night Same. He knocked me out for the week i just yeah. figured one point stone cold mortal lock for him to just get one measly point and for the third week in a row i was eliminated on day one yeah same i i anyways i don't want to talk about that uh it's a much tougher Thanks, subject much tougher subject to talk about. The people want to know, do you prefer daddy face-off or DFO daddy or daily face-off daddy? What do you prefer? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you guys. Our connection's bad. I got to go. <laughs> you can't say none. You got to pick one. <laughs> yeah. The answer is none of the above. Oh, come on. Okay, fine. We'll go with daddy face-off. Uh, Frank, about Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, we were having this conversation on yesterday's show about – if you had to start a franchise from scratch, taking into consideration cap hits, all that sort of stuff, which player would you take? Like you're, you're reviving the Atlanta Thrashers and the Colorado Avalanche and Vancouver Canucks have chosen to leave both of those players unprotected in our scenario here. Which player are you selecting? 
how how many mushrooms did you need to take in order to come up with that scenario <laughs> in which both of these teams are like, nah, we're good. Take them. Um, the answer for me is kind of simple. And with all due respect to Quinn Hughes and the magical season he's having, I think Kel McCarr is the most complete. I think he's the most complete player in the whole league. I think he defends really well. I think he skates better than anyone not named Connor McDavid. I think the minutes that he's able to log almost effortless, effortlessly, the ability that he has to touch and impact every facet of the game. Um, the fact that Quinn Hughes has made it a conversation is at least really interesting and a great development if you're a Canucks fan, but Kale McCarr is right behind him in terms of points and can actually become the fourth person to score 30 points before playing 17 games in a season as a defenseman, Quinn Hughes becoming the third already. Um, but I just think that from a consistency factor, from a defensive zone factor, from all those things, uh, the answer for me is pretty clear in Kale McCarr. I think he is the best defenseman in the game. And more than that, I think when it's all said and done, I think Kel McCarr is going to be on the Mount Rushmore of NHL defensemen. Frank, I like that. Frank, I wanted to ask you about the World Cup of Hockey. What are you hearing about the format? I know the name might even be changing, uh, timing, things of that nature. What are you What are you hearing recently? Yeah, Harm, it's not going to be called a World Cup of Hockey. It's an international tournament that's yet to be named. And it's going to be played in February 2025. I, I think it's like the appetizer international tournament, our entree back into um, getting the you know international hockey back on the calendar, which I think is a long overdue and important step. It's going to be a four-team tournament. It's going to have the U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. And if you're following along and reading between the lines, that means no Russia. And one of the big reasons why no Russia is because – Sweden and Finland have essentially made it really clear to the NHL and the IIHF and others, anyone who will listen, that they're not willing to participate and send their players if there is Russian player involvement. So that kind of made the decision a little bit easier for the NHL and the NHLPA to park it and say, look, we can't really have any sort of international tournament without Sweden and Finland. It's a lot easier to say goodbye to one federation instead of two. And that's sort of the spot that the league and PA have arrived at at this point. So more details coming. Um, the format itself I'm told is actually quite interesting. You've got the U S and Canada and Sweden and Finland playing each other. Um, they're going to play each other twice um, to start the, the two teams in North America and the two teams in Europe. And then the winner and loser of that aggregate series, they're going to cross over and play each other. That still would leave the possibility of the U S and Canada meeting in the final. It's going to take place over one week. So sort of a slightly extended all-star break. And that's what they're looking at before then heading over to Milan, Italy in 2026 for the winter Olympics. How many American Canucks do you think would be on the team USA roster? So you've got Wynn Hughes, JT Miller. Just trying Brock, to go with Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko, Connor. Yeah, Garland. Demko for Am sure. I'd one? say Besser and is like, well, the way he's played this year is a yes, but previously was a no. Um, and then Garland, I would say, is probably pretty unlikely. Hmm. 
Demko's probably the starting goalie. Starting goalie? You think so, hey? Over Hellebuck. And on the way he's played right now, uh, it's not really a question for me. I like that. That's a good pick. Who wins a who wins the best on best tournament? Do you think? Which mm. which nation? I mean, I guess. Tell me what we're getting. Like, are we getting Connor McDavid of last year, or are we getting the sixty first ranked scorer in the league this year? That's are 61. we getting one? Okay, are we getting the? Sidney Crosby on pace for 58 goals and 106 points this year? Or are we getting the guy who was, you know, in the low 80s last year? It's so much of it is about timing. So much of it is about chemistry. I will say the U.S. is, this is going to be the strongest international team they've ever put forward. And it's not even really close. Um, I'd say it's honestly a coin flip. Yeah, I might give the U.S. a slight edge just because of their blue line and, and goaltending goal situation. Yeah. It's really the goaltending. Like, that's the big thing. I don't know what happened along the way for Canadian netminders, but that's a huge advantage for the U.S. Oh, I could talk about that for days, but I won't right now. You, you go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, there's also something I think that's really interesting, too, when you think about how these teams come together. Um, I do think that there's, like, a swagger factor that Canada has that the U.S. doesn't. Um, it's just the repeated success, the expectation year after year, the U S doesn't really have that. Although some of these players that have come through of late have won, you know, things like world juniors and under 18s and things like that. They, they don't have the same pressure that Canada does either. Absolutely. Frank, many Canucks fans have been floating the idea, especially with Carson Soucy going down about adding a defenseman. And the problem that I've sort of run into is this you know, simply looking this far ahead of the trade deadline and kind of looking at, well, I don't see a lot of realistic targets out there. What's your take on what the defense market potentially does look like and how realistic it is that the Canucks can swing a move this far in advance of the deadline? I'm so glad you asked that harm because I actually phoned up a GM, I think 10 days ago. So not, I'll just be candid, not, Patrick Alvin or anyone in the Canucks. And I just said, like, let's pretend the hypothetical is that the Canucks are out there and they're trying to make a move for a defenseman. Work through your list with me. Tell me what you see, which players are available, which players might potentially be available on the back end that could be fits in Vancouver. And we worked through 90% of the league. And I, I don't think we had two names on the board. Because you, you try and handicap that out. And this is, by the way, it's a useful exercise, not just for me, but also for some of these other teams that I talk to. Like they're going through their own exact, you know, who who might this team be targeting? What is this team's needs? Like it's it's healthy for them to work through it too. And so sometimes I do it together with them to do the exercise. And I'm not seeing like a fit that jumps out because part of the big thing when you think about the position is, the top four guys, first off, are really hard to get your hands on, and teams that have them aren't really giving them up. And second, um, you've got to find someone, I think, that fits a bit of Vancouver's age and, more importantly, contract and cap scheme. And, yeah, there's there's defensemen out there that teams are willing to unload, but are you interested in a 34-year-old with four years left on his deal whose game has clearly passed him by? Like, I'm not. I'm sure the Canucks aren't. So that's really where the list begins to get short, right? 
<clears throat> I wonder. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Frank, do you get the sense at any point this season, like, are the Canucks going to go after some defensive help? Because we've talked about the targets in Calgary. Are they going to do it at any point this season, do you think? They're going to do it. I just don't. I, the answer, the, the question was, have you targeted anyone? Who do you think stands out as likely fits? And I don't have the answer of that. Hmm. But I, I do think that they're going to, at some point this year, pull the trigger on someone. But back it up to a year ago at this time, was Philip Aronik on anyone's radar? That's a good point. He wasn't yeah. even mentioned at all out there. And I told you guys the story previously of how the Canucks ended up landing him. It ended up being so fascinating. It was, that was never, it was never talked about. He never made a trade targets board. He was never rumored. It, it came together very quietly. Frank, we have a lot of new listeners. Do you mind retelling that story of how heroic sure. came to Vancouver? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating in that sometimes when managers make calls, the other GM files it away. So basically what happened was about a year or 18 months prior to the, the Canucks acquiring him, Jim Rutherford had called and asked Steve Eiserman, Hey, is Philip Peronic available? And the answer was no. And fast forward to last year on the day the trade was made sort of out of the clear blue sky, Steve Eiserman calls and says, are you still interested in Philip Aronik? And the answer is yes. So Steve Eiserman says, here's what we want and outline the package. And he said, if you say yes today, we'll complete the trade and that'll be that. And I won't offer him to anyone else. And his name won't be out there at all. And Jim Rutherford said, essentially, this is relayed to me. Give me an hour and I'll call you back. Called him back. Yes, boom, the deal is done. And it ends up being a complete surprise. And that's sort of how sometimes things operate behind the scenes. And it's all because the Canucks made a call, you know, 10, 12, 18 months ahead of time expressing interest that led them down that path. That's really interesting because obviously that trade's looking pretty good right now. Do you think it was a fair price for the Canucks to pay? I do because... Like, here's the thing. At some point, whenever it becomes time for the Canucks to have the extension talk, people are going to see the price whenever that is and say, man, that was expensive. Um, this is a guy who, first off, has fit like a glove for Quinn Hughes. They always seem to be in attack mode. They they read so well off of each other, and the point production has been there. But the thing with Philip Aronik is the point production has always been there. He's he's pretty much been a half a point per game player for 300 NHL games. Um, so not an insignificant total. And by that same token, that's part of what entered into the back of the minds of the Detroit Red Wings, which is, hey, we we are entering a space where we're going to need to pay all of our guys. Uh, especially some of the younger guys that have broken through. And do we want to devote this cap space and this, um, you know, salary cap commitment to Philip Peronic? And the answer at the end of the day was no. And so I think the price ended up being fair. Um, just go back to what I was saying, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds ago, which is it's really hard to get your hands on a top four defenseman in today's game, let alone someone that fits exactly the age scheme of your team. 
Frank, good stuff as always, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. Wow, that was abrupt. All right, see you guys. <laughs> Frank Cervelli. I Sorry if that was abrupt, Frank, but the reason I wanted to close that is because there are so many people asking us questions now about, you know, is Rutherford working the phones? All this sort of stuff. A lot of stuff in the YouTube live chat, and we got to get to anyone else. So sorry, Frank. I hope that wasn't too abrupt. And uh, he still does his hit next week. You picked USA, so hopefully he comes on next week. I hope. I hope he comes on. He should be. He back. will. He will. He will. Uh, yeah, really fascinating stuff. And I, I like talking to Frank, obviously, for a variety of reasons. But um, that heroic story, I know a lot of people haven't heard that story. So uh, a lot of people in the chat reacting to that. So I hadn't heard it either. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I was actually just thinking last week i i want to make some calls and figure out figure it out so i guess yeah. it saved me a couple phone there calls. you go and you know what's so funny is frank was like well i've said this on your show before and he has but i said yeah we have a lot of new listeners i should have also said we also have a new co-host <laughs> and a new producer who have never heard this story so there it is folks uh frank saravalli our pal he's uh he's great and frank is still in our private studio chat and he gave us an answer sorry we should have left him on sorry frank uh frank answered the question he said rutherford was making calls in the beginning before alvin was hired so there you go there's your answer on that folks hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's get to, what do we got here? Anyone else? Anyone else? Get your anyone else's in, folks, because that time of the show when our listeners get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 2525. Offer valid in Canada. Subject exchange. Terms do apply. Okay. Anyone else? This is a great one. Dobson or Doughty? Dobson. Easy. 
Who? Yeah. What? I think in, in terms of Canada, in terms of Canada's roster, like who? Who's who's quarterbacking power play one for Team Canada? Kill McCarr. Well, oh yes, Kill McCarr. Okay, but <laughs> come on, God, that wasn't the question. You hate. I'm reading the chat. I'm trying to keep up here. There's so many. Okay, I, I lost this. I I don't know what this person was saying, Dobson or Dowdy, in relation to. You gotta just, you gotta think where they'll be at when the tournament is played, right? Not necessarily in this moment. Yeah, that's fair. That Dobson's wasn't the question thinking, though. It wasn't quarterbacking power play one. I just guessed that wasn't it. Obviously, it's Kill McCarr. I'm trying. Okay, folks, get your anyone else's in and put full context. Don't put seven different messages in the chat. We can't yeah. keep up. Anyways. I apologize for quads being this way well there's like no anyone else's and so people people have these half thoughts and no offense to the person that put this in thanks for interacting but they have these half thoughts that they just unload and then you scroll seven messages in between messages you're trying to find and i text like that i i text in fragments and i know that pisses people off but it really pisses me off in the chat when people are like all here's nine of my half thoughts try and read them all while you're on air and put them all together Anyways, I'm having a day. Stop being mean. <laughs> Canada's defense corps versus USA's defense corps. This is a conversation you and I were talking about we're going to have tomorrow. Is kind of looking at the rosters of who on the Canucks is on each team and also what does each team look like? Where are their strengths? Does Tyler Myers make Team Canada? He was there at the World Cup of Hockey or whatever it was called. The What is it? What's it called? How am I not forget? I, World Championships. Championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. Gold medal, gold medalist Tyler Myers today. Gold, gold, gold medalist Tyler Myers. I asked in the chat who should be Team Canada's three goalies for the upcoming World Cup of Hockey. I think Carter Hart, Aiden Hill probably gets the call. I would assume. So then, who's your third string? That's rough. Jordan Bennington, (laughs) Tristan Jart. Nah, Flurry Flurry will be done at that point. Do you go Tristan Jari? Do you go Darcy Kemper? Jordan Bennington. Oh. Meanwhile, USA can go Demko Hellebuck Andre. John Gibson, John, John Gibson, oh but he'll goodness. probably be four at that point. That's crazy, though. State of the do, Union. Do I start this conversation? Do you want me to start talking about Canadian goaltending development? No. Okay. I talked about it today on Sakaris and Press. All right. Well, but we don't well, need to relitigate that. We can that. save it. What I will say, though, is you look at the NHL scoring lead, right? You got the first Canadian is Makar at seven in terms of points. It's Hughes, Pasternak, Miller, Kucherov, Pedersen, Nylander. So I, th- I think it's showing you how how many, which I think is a great thing, how many stars we're seeing outside of Canada to where, I mean, we all know Canada is still in gold medal or, or boss mode anytime you have international best on best play. But I've had this, co- I've had this conversation with others that, look, these other countries are really catching up. Russia. Yeah, but like Russia's not even there. Like that. Yeah. Also, I didn't know what Frank was saying. Like, well, I understood what he was saying, but the thing about Finland, Sweden, and one other country, I can't remember which one, saying that we're not going to go if Russia goes, of course Russia's not going to be there. But man, like it Russia has some good talent right now. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, they but they have no defense. That's no. the problem. Consistent. Who would consistent. be their defense? Like Dmitry Orlov. Oh man. Sergachev. Yeah. Provorov. Sergei Gonchar. <laughs> who, would, who would there be with the right shot i don't even who's the best right shot defenseman russian right shot defenseman in the nhl right now oh man i i'm not good at remembering these things off the top of my head there aren't many be, though i mean simashev maybe one day 
Nikita Zaitsev. Simashev's a uh, left shot. Oh yes, he is. He is. I'm just, now. I'm just naming defensemen from Russia. He is oh, okay, left defense. Okay. Yes. Artem Zub. Ilya Labushkin. Yeah. Oh, Labushkin's like a uh, bottom pairing defenseman. You know like... who would be there though is the Anaheim kid, and I butcher his yes, name. Pavel yes, yes. We've we've been oh, talking right. about Min- him. Minkikov. He'd be number one. Actually, you know what? Gavrikov. Their blue line actually <laughs> it's better than I better than uh, we thought. Dorov. Gonchar. <laughs> better than we thought. Uh, people and anyone else asking. Uh, Jesse's got a question here. Well, hang on a sec. People are asking where the Burt cam is. There's no Burt cams anymore, folks. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't have a camera on my dog right now. That's It's simple. There's no Burt cam. Um, you used to have a remote camera on him? That yeah, you, yeah. I used to be able to watch him. And you just throw that on the show? Yeah, I would hold it up to my webcam. <laughs> Did you ever watch the show? I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew Christensen. Anyone else? Crosby captain without a doubt, right? For Team Canada? Yeah. Absolutely. You guys been there, done that. Okay, what was the one you wanted to get to, um, Grady? Jesse, if you get to the trade deadline in the top three Pacific playoff spot, do you run all the UFAs out or resign any of them midseason? So Tyler Myers, Bovillier, Teddy Bluger? Yeah, to me, Myers and Bovillier, you're, I mean, Bovillier for sure just isn't a fit beyond the season. Myers is only a fit if he's signing around the one million mark on a one-year deal. Two years, three million. <laughs> uh, and um, and Bluger, I mean, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd like him back. But you also have to keep in mind that at 1.9, he is making almost double league minimum. Or he is making more than double league minimum. And you have to, me, you want to wait to see how his full season fit is before you... Uh, commit to him, especially because he's a fourth line player. Like those types of decisions, you wait until uh, till the off season. Cole is, is the big one. Thumbs, Cole is the big one. Why Cole is there a thumbs the down one. on me? What's going on? Did anybody else see that? No. Was that just on my screen? That was so weird. So every once in a while, let me know if you see this on YouTube. Uh, every once in a while, there'll just be an animation that flashes up on the screen. We had balloons shoot up the other day <laughs> yes. during an interview with John Shannon, and we still have no idea how it happened. I think the thumbs up is from Facebook or Twitter okay. likes. But yeah, it's, it's a mysterious one. Anyone else from Sniper here? Why does Noah Juleson keep getting ice time? I wish I had the answer. No, uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, I think it's just because stylistically he fits a prototype of the player that talk it and foot covet, right? Because Ikido Hirose, for example, is undersized. He isn't the type of player that's going to be heavy breaking up the cycle down low. And as a result, Juleson's size, some of his heft, gives him an advantage, even though he can't really move the puck. And even though his uh, overall decision-making in IQ is a massive red flag for me. Penalty killer. Did you say that? Penalty killer. Yeah. yeah. Even though, like, honestly, Throws big like, hits once in a while. Hardly, hardly a penalty killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he does kill penalties. Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, the penalties do get killed. Does he kill their penalty kill? All right. <laughs> uh, let's get to our... I like, wanted to say yeah. something on the previous question, though, about the pending UFAs. What are you going to do? Do you resign any of them? Cole's, Cole's the interesting one for me because I'm sure we'll have this, have this discussion right. close to the offseason because I like him as a steady veteran presence. He brings a sort of defense defensive stick breaking up two-on-ones that this group just hasn't had since Edler and Tanev left. Hmm. But the interesting thing is 
Cole's also at a point where on a good team, especially when we're talking beyond the season, he's probably a third-pair defenseman. But you've got Carson Soucy locked up beyond the season, who's also probably ideally a third-pair defenseman. And if you're ever going to meaningfully upgrade your blue line, I mean, ideally you do it on the right side, but right-shot defenders are hard to find. You may just have to settle for that upgrade being a higher-end second-pair lefty, a real driver, which means all of a sudden, even though you really love Cole as a fit on the ice and even off the ice as a leader, as a player who has championship experience, been there, done that voice in the room. The fit is, like, how, how does he fit beyond the season? It's a really interesting discussion. I also wonder, because he's 34 years old right now, right? Like, we're talking about extending a soon-to-be 35-year-old for next season. I just, I wonder when you when you think that drop-off comes. Do you know what I mean? I know we don't have the answer, but it it feels like it comes out of nowhere, right? So, I'm curious. I'm really curious what they're going to end up doing there. It's a good question. It's a really good question uh, in the anyone else. Uh, Karan with another one. Should they try Hoaglander with Miller and Besser in place of Phil Giuseppe? I don't think Tockett will do it because that line's going to go up against the other team's best players. Yeah. I also I mean, don't think Hoaglander has enough... Defensive acumen? Well, defensive acumen, yeah, but also like the way PDG chases down pucks yeah. and wins board, ba- board battles. Hoaglander's good at that, but... I just think PDG, due to his size, has another step to his game when it comes to all that. Yeah, the Miller line doesn't need another sort of offensive driver on their line. They need more of a steady, defensively reliable player who can do a lot of the dirty work. It's why you wouldn't put Connor Garland on that line, even if he's clicking. Beauvillier? No, it's the same thing. Like I think it's the same thing. He got the promotion last game because he was playing well, so he wanted to reward the guy, but... Like, that's not a long-term fit with the identity of that line and what's going to make them successful. The guy who it might be, and I'd still rather stay in Abbotsford for a majority of the year, but it might be Pod Colson because he is Mm, good on the boards. I mean, that was who started in that spot at training camp, right? Like, that was Pod Colson's spot to lose, and lose it he did. Like, that was not... barely advanced beyond Hoaglander in terms of his defensive play. Yep. Which is the main problem. Not to mention, I mean, I actually think Beauvillier stylistically isn't the worst fit i actually don't hate it because well he doesn't screw up he's reliable defensively you watch the way he back checks you watch the way and and don't get me wrong i don't like how anthony bavilia has played overall this season he's been disappointing but he doesn't make mistakes he's a player that will never hurt you which is what that line sort of needs because miller and besser can sometimes tend to be higher risk players in terms of what they want to do Hmm. offensively and you can sort of rely on Bavillier. When he's at his best, which we haven't quite seen from him yet, he looks fast. He hunts down pucks. And I don't think he fit, I don't think he checks that stylistic box as well as PDG does. But Bavillier also arguably has, and when he's actually at his best, has more offensive touch too. When you say he was... He, he's sort of the middle him. ground between mm-hmm. Hoaglander and PDG. Yeah, he has traits of both. But when you say he's no, we haven't seen him at his best, are you including last year or do you just mean this season we haven't seen him at his this best? This season. So, okay, I ask you this. Last season, Beauvillier, is that what you're thinking? Like, okay, maybe we can get there if he plays with Miller and Besser? Potentially, you hope for it. But I also wouldn't expect him to get quite to the level we saw from him last season because he had the fortune of playing with Pedersen. And that was 
in a cushy role where they weren't playing the toughest minutes. Whereas if he's playing with Miller from a teammate perspective, it's or a linemate perspective, it's obviously a huge boost, but those are tough minutes. And you're like, the job is still a bit different than it would be if you're on the Pedersen line where you like that line, like that Miller line, it's identity. They take so much pride in, Hey, for example, they're going to go up against Colorado. We want to shut down Nathan McKinnon. It's not just, we want to score. It's, our primary task is to eliminate their best players as time and space to defend them hard. And if we play our North South game effectively, the offense will come, but we're not focused on the offense, which is a different role than the one Bavillier excelled in during the, during in the top six last year. Again, that's not to say that Bavillier can't be successful. I actually wouldn't mind if PDG, if you don't quite see the spark with him, I, I don't mind the idea at all of giving Bavillier a look there. But it is different than last year in that success, I don't think, looks necessarily as prolific offensively. Tockett downplayed the moving down of PDG for Bovillier. He downplayed it at practice yesterday. He kind of talked about how Bovillier just earned the promotion. I'm curious tonight if we see Bovillier back up there um, when they're in Colorado. I'm curious if at any point during the game, because then... I just I don't know if you can avoid the conversation. Like I think it becomes much more of a conversation if we see Bovillier again there tonight. So we will see how that goes. Uh, just quickly, guys, what are your thoughts on splitting up that Mikheyev Pedersen Kuzmenko line, putting Bovillier up with Pedersen Kuzmenko, putting Mikheyev with Miller and Besser, because he can get in on the four check. He's a bigger body. He might not you know bang as much as Di Giuseppe. Yeah, I've always thought Mikheyev is probably north south guy, right? Like he's he the... fits well with with Miller especially defensively and when you're talking about going up against top lines like he is probably the best fit on on sort of in terms of all the possible wingers Miller could have on that left wing Mikheyev is the best fit the problem is Mikheyev is also such a great fit with Pedersen and with Pedersen struggling right now can that top line almost afford to lose Mikheyev's speed and how much he's been driving play because Tockett at, uh, at practice yesterday was speaking about how much faster that line needs to needs to play specifically with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. I don't think it helps them to lose the fastest player on yep. that line. Yeah. I also think Kuzmenko is the one that is yeah. having more problems. And right if now. you're, and if you're going to try a different look, Kuzmenko, I didn't have a problem with his game against San Jose. He was creating a lot of chances, mm-hmm. but if you do need a different look on that line and you're talking about, okay, how do we get Hoaglander a, a big opportunity on a night where let's say he's really going, that's probably the better fit for him. Swap Kuzmenko and, and Hoaglander so that, I mean, it's not like a good fit for Kuzmenko at all moving down in the lineup, but for Hoaglander, you put him in a spot where you're trading out one riskier player for another. So from, from the coaching staff's perspective, it isn't as much of a worry. Plus you're mostly going to be playing second and third lines. So again, from a defensive standpoint, you're not um, as worried Plus, him and PD are our best friends. I like that. Okay, let's get to our Light the Lamp contest presented by our pals over at Four Winds Brewing. 
Vancouver is playing Colorado tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about the Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Predictions tonight. Who scores the first goal for Vancouver? I feel like Garland's do. Anthony Beauvillier. Yeah, that's where I was going. Anthony Beauvillier. That's my pick. Okay, Garland, Beauvillier, Beauvillier, Harmon Dial. Dave Gudrelli, Grady Sass, signing off. Wait, 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 wait. What? You got a Betway bet of the day. boy. Good catch. Man, that's... You I got a good Betway bet, too. Sick, I'd be so sad. That would have been such a sick outro, too. Yeah, it's okay. It happens. It. it happens. I'm a little tired today. Like, I just... I, and you were up till five. I was, I was up till five. I don't know why. You can't complain. Yeah, I know. I know. Tired. I got, like, nine hours of sleep, too. Sometimes you, you oversleep, really you know? Just going at the chat. Oh, whatever. That what? happens every... That happens when I'm well-rested. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you battling a cold right now, huh? That's right. You you sounded way more nasally when we walked into the office. You sound fine on mic, but when you, we saw you, you were like, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, okay, pull it up here because I actually have a good bet way better than the day, too. I would have been very sad if we missed this. Quinn Hughes, over two and a half shots. Oh. Look, if it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it, Harm. Uh, minus 118 odds, $10 bet returns you 18.50 over on Betway. Must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But second of all, Hughes pays attention. Hughes knows everybody's watching. Everybody's going to be watching this matchup. Kiel McCarr versus Quinn Hughes, the two best defensemen in the game right now going toe-to-toe. Oh, you think Quinn's going to be looking past? No, that kid's going to be shooting tonight. He's clearing that over two and a half total shots. Battle of the Titans. Uh, quickly, just on that, Quinn Hughes, career shots per game, 1.96. This season, 3.05. So you're clearing right there. There you go. There's some math for you, Harm. Not just vibes, although it was just vibes when I made the pick, but there's some math for you too. Okay. We'll close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, technical producer, Grady Sass, our thanks to Frank Saravalli, some are calling him Daddy Faceoff, for joining us on this episode of Canucks Conversation. My name's Dave Wadrelli. Thanks a lot, folks. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.